All right, let's continue in Da'at Tevunot in Otmim. Let's, in this book, it's on page 66. We're skipping a bit, but the part that we skip, we'll hopefully go back to. I want to specifically focus on this. I spoke just a few days about a concept related to this, and so I'm, I'm most excited about addressing this, not skipping all that much, and directly continuing on the point that we had addressed the last time. What we talked about in the last uh, segment uh, in, in Da'at Tevunot is how he describes... Uh, how the hisronot, <clears throat> the many defi- the many deficiencies in existence, are purposeful. Of course, the ra, which pervades in the world that we know, is there in the eyes of Da'atevunot, in the eyes of Ramchal, in order to bring forth Yehud Hashem, in order to see the uniqueness and the oneness of God. It's necessary that we be able to bounce that off, to contrast it to everything that surrounds it, which is not God. Which means to say you wouldn't be able to appreciate and understand what it is that makes that Yehud of God if you didn't have all the, quote, non-Yehud of God to truly understand it. It's necessary, or at the very least with our uh, small human minds, it's necessary in order to see it through that contrast. Now he continues over here, he says, You should know that human beings, if they did it right, if we do it right, would be able to find truth, with truth he's referring to, what he's been referring to throughout, Yehud Hashem, and to be ozev, to abandon, to leave the Orchot Hasheker, the ways of falseness, the lies, with the will, with the passion to get closer to God, we would be able to do it on our own. So now he's you know, a little bit diverging from what he's addressed. What he described to us until now is, we need the Ra, we needed the Ra in order to come to Yehud, we need the Sheker in order to arrive at Emet, and so you, technically speaking, you could do this. And we would know, if it's not godly, if it's not divine, that would be, quote-unquote, We would in turn find our way to that light, the light he refers to Or Haganus, which we'll address in just a bit, the light of the God of the, the King of Life, of course, the light of God. <clears throat> if we were to actually work this out. And let's imagine we worked it out within the world that we're in. In other words, I forgot about what I said a moment ago, that you'd be able to do this on your own. He'll really arrive at those words in a bit without the Ra. Right now he says, okay, with the Ra, we can actually work this out. We can get to the touchdown, to, to the end zone, on our own. Uh, if we would do so, we would be self-achievers, so to speak. We'd look at the world, we'd open our eyes, we'd appropriately understand with sensitive heart and, and soul that godliness is the negation of all those other matters. That's Yehud Hashem. And in turn, we'd bring... We'd, uh, we'd hasten the ultimate salvation. You see, what he's contrasting over here is the fact that we have and will have, it appears, this long and arduous exile. He says, that's not altogether necessary. We could kind of stall that. We could not stall it. We could halt that. If we actually got the Yehud, if we actually opened our eyes and understood it, I don't know if we're talking about individuals or a society or a world or a nation, but if we actually got it, it's over, game over. It was the whole necessity, his suggestion, of a very purposeful galut and ra, which exists, is in order to get to Yehud. If we got there, so then we're done with it. The irony again is, I don't know if it's ironic any longer, is that the more that our eyes are closed, the more darkening there is. What's the idea? The more exile there is and your eyes stay closed, the more exile I'll put upon you because ultimately speaking, the hope is when you're enveloped by that darkness, the small little light at the end, which you finally open your eyes to, you'll actually appreciate Mm -hmm. and understand. It's the words of Zohar in many places. This is the vision of the Mekubalim that Or is mitgale mitocha hoshech. They point to the way of creation. The world began with hoshech. But there's hoshech and light then comes forth from that. 
Of course, the scientific way of talking about that is light is dispelling the darkness. In the eyes of the Kabbalists, it's instead light which needs to emanate from the darkness, so to speak. You can only appreciate the light if you're enveloped by the darkness. But that means to say, once you found the light, we're done with the darkness. Once you figured it out on your own, we're done. Once you actually appreciate, understood the ra, the evil, and in turn you held on to, you clutched to the truthfulness of Yehud Hashem. Well, that's end goal. That's it. It's over. The whole purpose of deficiency, of evil, of sheker, whatever word you want to use, in this world is in order to come to Yehud. That has been the solution to all for Da'at By so doing, by finding it, well now there's an onig, now there's an appreciation of it. In Ken once it's revealed, there's revelation. So what is the opposite of anger? Rehara, harona pecha, all this. What is, how do you define that in Oren Hoshech? There is, there is anger or steady pace. Or, you know. I mean, you know I, what I'm saying? No. And there is anger yes. from Hashem. No, anger from Hashem is the way we're perceiving it. Well, the way no, we understand it's actually it. actually defined in the Peshat. Uh, I would I would have to disagree. I don't think he has emotions, God. I don't no. think he's prone to anger or gives in to anger. I think it's the way we understand, the way we perceive his activities. Well, the way, which, he, the way he deals with us. Ask God, Yeah. Dispel the Hashech, because me as a human being, that's how I understand it. Yeah, he's reacting to a person. This is Harambam in the More. Harambam in the More has God not having any emotions. Right? Not having any emotions means there's no anger. What is anger as described in the Torah? Dibera Torah, Kelashon Bnei Adam, the way we understand it. Because it's the easiest way for me and you to understand it. We say it's God's reaction, it's the world existential, existential reaction to whatever activity. We perceive that as anger because if I were to close the light on my child because they're acting wrongly, they would say, oh, it's because daddy's angry. So we perceive it as anger. It's, it's, it's a reality change, though, in, in truth. That's how I interpret the anger. But the, the narrator defines that Hashem says it, not... That's right. I, that's but it's... Uh, Haron Af, he also doesn't have a nose, right? I mean, that's... Uh, and Yad Hazaka, he also doesn't have an arm. Yeah, but, Rabbi and Hashem. Rabbi and Hashem also Anyway, Halotiri continues the Ativinot and he says, I'll bring you an example. You should see and you'll understand this matter if you scale back, if you turn back the clock to Adam Harishon as per the Torah's description of him. Adam Harishon Atzmo Kachkarado says, Look at the storyline of Adam Harishon. And, you know, something, truly understand this. If God had created the world without deficiency, without Hoshech, without Ra, without Sheker, all that sort of matters, well, then our minds could not even perceive of Ra because there would be no existence of Ra. In other words, if there is no Ra, this is the ABCs of what Da'at Evunot has been telling us, you can't understand Tob. Why can't you understand Tob? Because the definition of Tob in godly domain is Yehud, is the uniqueness of Tob. Any one of the attributes of God is to be defined through this concept of Yehud, which arches over them. It's this overarching concept of the oneness, the uniqueness of God's X, Y, or Z. The only way you'll be able to understand the uniqueness is by bouncing it off, by contrasting it to others. So it means that Adam HaRishon is created with the ability to perceive of Ra. Has to be, otherwise he couldn't come to Yehud. Okay, so God had to, his understanding, create in tandem with Adam Ra. Adam Harishon then 
could, without exile, without banishment from the Gan, without anything and everything else which happened to him and his descendants afterwards, he could have found Yehud Hashem. How would he find Yehud Hashem? By analyzing in his mind and understanding existence and saying, God is not all of that. I understand the uniqueness of God. Game over. It would have been game over. He says, I'll tell you something. I think Adam Arishon already was seeing Ra. There was the existence of Etzadat Tov Vara. It means there is an existence of Ra. Of course, we'll go a step further. His ability to eat from it means there was a reality of Ra. Well, that all being the case, Adam Arishon is in a world in which there is a creation of Ra. You understand what he's looking to negate? You might argue, Damarishon is born into a world of uh, utopia. There is no Ra. He's the one, so to speak, who creates Ra. Says Da'atibunot, impossible. Impossible because then you'd be putting him in a futile existence. If he's in a world where there's no Ra, he can't understand Yehud. That's the whole point of Da'atibunot. If he can't understand Yehud Hashem, then there's no purpose of creation. The whole purpose of creation of humanity with God's Simtum is in order to come to a Havanan understanding Yehud Hashem. That's the point of this game which we call life. Go ahead. So he's saying that, that the choice of Adam HaRishon was inevitable? He's not saying that here. He will say that elsewhere. Even a touch on it in Da'atibunot. At this juncture, no. At this juncture, all, he's, all he has stated thus far is that for Adam HaRishon, there was Ra, but Adam HaRishon could have... And I'll almost make it the ideal. I mean, we know from earlier in could the book, Kisufa, he could have selected Tob and understood Tob, which means to say Yehud, and right. what Jack would call that is an absolute tikkun, it would have been done. We wouldn't, we wouldn't need exile. We wouldn't, that's right. We wouldn't be here. What would be? Who knows? But it would have been over. So the way he describes it over here is his eyes misled him. Of course, those are the words that describe Hava raising her eyes and seeing the allure of eating from the or did fall prey to one of several mistakes. Now, again, this is not contrary, but it's a bit different than what he described to us earlier in the book. If you remember earlier in the book, and that's what I think Dave, uh, Joey was, was, was touching on, earlier in the book he talked about uh, Adam, about human beings, not uh, partaking in what's called Nahamad de That's what we call a world of process. Instead of getting the bread of shame being provided for us, we are in a world of challenges where we achieve it on our own. And I think that's what I was touching on. It was inevitable that we were going to eat from the tree because otherwise we're in a world of outcome in the gun where everything's coming to us and there are no challenges. It's not the way he's going over here. It's not what he's touching on over here. What he's touching on over here is what's the particular error of Adam and Hava in deciding to eat from that tree? in the decision. So he says, either they made a mistake of sheteru shuyot. Sheteru shuyot is avodah zarah. There are two strengths, there are two uh, deities in this world. What's that a reference to? What that, I think, is a reference to is the fact that Adam and Hava, as per the words of the Nahash, are vitem kelohim. You'll think, you think, you can be autonomous beings. You can determine what it is that you can or should be doing, as opposed to realizing that the instruction's coming from the outside. That's a vitem kelohim, the vision of Adam and Hava, overpowering their minds to the extent that they think they're on the same platform as God. It's as uh, Rashi writes, You think you're independent of God to the extent that you can rival him. Of course, it's what I've said on many occasions, and I'm sure many, if not everyone, says it. That's the Midrash with the sun and the moon, of course. The sun and the moon, it's a ridiculous claim the Midrash Masechet Hulin has, right? The moon says to God, because initially it's supposed to be Shnei Meorot Gedolim, it's supposed to be two large bodies of light, both in the eyes of the rabbis, equivalent. Of course, what happens? The Levana, as per the Midrash, turns to God and says, oh, It's not possible that two kings will use the same crown. That's a ridiculous claim. 
you're not on the same level as the, as the sun, no, even in our Aesop fairy tale, right? Even in our fable, which the Hachamim are purposefully portraying to us, it's a ridiculous claim. You have no self-power. You only, uh, you only reflect the sun's light. How could you call yourself on the same level? That's the same mistake of Adam and Hava. The Adam and Hava mistake is believing that we are Kelohim. Sure, you're Tzelem Elohim. Sure, you can refract but that light. Separate. You're not the light itself. Says God to the Levana, make yourself smaller, says God to Adam and Hava. Uh, step down a bit. Maybe well, the, the light was Shadok on the moon. Where the moon was emitting light before that. Okay, it's it's a nice addition to the story. It, it, in other words, it actually was emitting it light. Okay, it's a suggestion. In my mind, it's a per- you won't have a perfect parallel to this. In other words, in my storyline, it's a perfect parallel to Adam and Hava. And that's the purpose of the story. The story is to say the exact same story as Adam and Hava, where you don't actually emit your own light. You're only refracting it, and that's the mistake. And it's the same repercussion. But anyway, that's the Shetei Shuyot. What's the other mistakes? Probably something along the lines of what Rashi says in his Perusha Torah, that so to speak, God knows that you could have your own powers and force, but he kind of wants to keep you caged up so that you're, that you're not able to counter him in strength, similar to the first one. But anyway, slice it says that the vision in terms of Adam Harishon is that, quote, he could have ended the game of life really early. He could have, without any of the challenges of Galut, of Sheker um, emanating throughout, of the world as we know it, with all of its deficiencies, he could have, with just the realization, albeit an external one, of Sheker, of Ra, found Yehud Hashem in this, quote, close to perfect world. Ve'omnam, Adam Harishon be'emet hacham gadol haya, continues da'at everyone says, you should know, Adam Harishon was quite, quite wise. He should have looked into this matter properly before falling prey to wrongful thought. Ve'gam, k'var haya yodea mitato shel davar mitzad chokmato she'kom ha'sheroem neged ma'shodia lo yitbarach min ha'mitat ha'tikun in ole sheke medumeh. He should have known that anything other than God's instruction was and is Sheker Miklal Haram Shebarahu Yitbarach Shemo Lo Diamitat Yehudol and Asot Boat Adam Atzmola Tedlo Zechut. Should have understood these are all challenges. I think we're selling Adam short. How so? A little bit. I think he's selling Adam short. In that earlier description of how he falls, how he makes the mistake? Yeah. In, in, insofar as if you're Adam Harishon and you see. There's nothing other than Hakadosh Baruch in his creation, right? And one of his creations is Etzav Da It's a very difficult existential question for you as to how can this thing exist and be evil, right? And yet still be the will of God. The questions that we're dealing with, Adam is confronted with that question, and and has to decide. If I eat this, which was created by God, but commanded by God not to be eaten... How evil will it be? Right. And how can it be evil if it if is God, the If it is creation, a creation of God. And if it isn't, which he's positing over here, but what I'm am I buying you. into a dual de- deity? But I don't know that he's... A, first and foremost, if I remember correctly, elsewhere, maybe even in Derech Hashem, he writes something along those lines. In other words, and that's the Midrash. Va'ochel achalti va'ochel od. In other words... I don't regret what I did, so to speak, says, says Adam. I'm not certain that, that envisioning it, quote, as this autonomous, this, this, this mistake of autonomy is so different than what you're describing. In other words, what is wrong with him partaking in it and believing that he's going to be Kelohim? I don't actually think he's going to rival God per se, but he does believe that God wants him to be Selim Elohim. He's just taking it too far. Right. He, he could learn better by doing it. And the mistake, ultimately speaking, is that there was a that was the better. trap that, ult, that that alternatively it was only the sheker which was there with which to understand. But but I don't think that that you have to derive from that choice that he that, that the implication that Adam was essentially ascribing to a secondary power. 
I, I, I hear you. I think it's Which a... Is, I think uh, what he's saying. It maybe is, but I think it's embellished wording. Yeah. Uh, I think the Sheter Shuyot, more than anything, is an act of autonomy, which is the outcome of the eating. I don't think he's going to he's going to refer to the words of the Chachamim that he was a mean, that he was a heretic. Not an Oved Avodah per se. He's a heretic because he gets it wrong. A heretic oftentimes is, is a thinker. Yeah, okay. But let's compare the situation where you have co-president of a company what, Never why, works, do I by need, why do I need the other president yeah. one is asking the other one which the first question is am, am I deficient in something that he had to create somebody else and, and be in my sphere so, so it me so so you're asking in general about the creation of human beings I believe you're asking why would wife. God need humans so that's that's not yeah. the wife what's that the wife. Why did he create the wife? Oh, the wife. We're going to, to the wife. Exactly. That means he is Hasir something. Of course. Yeah, I know. I hope your wife doesn't listen to these classes. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, just, I'm just explaining. If he was in charge of Gan Eden, why do I need another person equivalent to me? Okay, so he could have picked up from that. Is it? So that means I'm, 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 there is something deficient in me. And Adam should have picked up on that to understand that he's not complete, that 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 he is deficient, and he's he can't be Kelohim. Or he he wants to, no, he wants to now make himself better versus the other one. Okay. Either way you slice it, ultimately speaking, Adam Arishon's description of Da'atevunot is such that he could have, just by the existence of Ra, which was there, it's a Da'atovara, could have gone to Yehud Hashem, did not need that dissension into the world that we know. If he would have been able to withstand the urge, the real urge of he would have been masig, he would have grasped, he would have achieved the Yehud HaElion, now, again, what his what his vision throughout in this description is 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 to explain to us that Gan Eden was not a utopian society in which Ra did not exist, and I think those were that concept is already hinted in Divrei Hachamim in Masechet Hagiga and Rashi's Perush Al Torah. So I put that on the source sheet in front of you. It goes as follows: the the pasuk. I'll skip first to three and four. We'll go in that direction. The pasuk describes on day one of existence, day one of creation rather, that God first crafts or creates or Pasuk says that he sees the or kito, perikal pasuk dalit, and then it says, Vayavdeluhim ben or ubena hoshech. Then he separates or from hoshech. Now, again, envisioning or and hoshech as along the lines of what we're describing over here the tov and ra, the sheker and emet. So it goes as follows. Initially, there's a creation, there's an existence of hoshech. God brings forth or kito. That's complete. Then a separation between Or and Hoshech, we'll call that between Emet and Sheker, between Tov and Ra, and so on and so forth. What was Kitob? The initial stage was complete. Which stage was complete? When there was a mixture of the two. Says Rashi, picking up on this on this hard-to-understand entity of a mixture of Tov and Ra, Or and Hoshech, which is Tov, says Rashi, that's the Or HaGanuz. That is this tucked away light which is only for the righteous in the future. Says the Gemara in Masechet Hagigan Dafiot Bet. Adam Harishon was able to see from one end of the world to the other. What the rabbis referring to in such a description? What they're potentially describing is, as Nefesh Hayim writes in source number two, in Sha'adalit Perikaf Hayat, what they're potentially describing is the ability to perceive through what we call Or Haganuz. What does that mean? It means the following. It means a true perception. A depth of understanding is not just seeing the light, but it's seeing both the light and the darkness in tandem and understanding what's light and what's darkness. Do you understand? Again, the Da'atevunot, his vision, his description throughout is such that Adam Arishon was in a world where there wasn't just light. 
there was a mixture of light mm-hmm. and darkness, and he understood what the light was because he knew how to dispel. Don't get too coarse here on me. Understand it in terms of conceptually the way he's describing these matters. So it means that Orhad Ganus is the ideal. Why should that be the ideal? I thought the ideal should be a world of image. You can't have true emet if you don't have the contrast of Sheikh. I wonder if that's what they're describing over here. In other words, why would I envision the mixture as the Or Haganus? Why is that my Or Haganus? Why is that for the righteous in the future? And the answer is the true perception of light, the proper understanding of truth, seeing and feeling and perceiving Yehud Hashem means there has to be Hoshech as well. That was the event. The Oraganus is both. There's no question. It's the same idea. That's what Rashi is telling us. I'm explaining to you the depth of it. And that's where Adam, that's where Adam, that's Nefesh Haim says explicitly, Adam Rishon had that. He had that and he falls from that. Oh, where is it now? It's for the son that came in the future. Going a bit further on this on this general theme of the potential of Adam Harishon to kind of circumvent the system and what we end up with, and, and really it's why Da'at Ibunot is, is almost digressing, or not going off on a tangent, why is talking about Adam Harishon? He's really describing the world as we know it as not the necessary reality. We could have and could yet live in a different style world. And it's what he'll talk about in just a moment or two here in Da'atev Unot. He's going to describe in just a moment or two, and he has a little bit beforehand, the fact that, listen, this is the world as you and I know it. It's a world in which we endeavor and we try and we seek, and through that trying and seeking, we'll get rewarded for righteous acts and thoughts and approaches, and we'll get punished for others, and we have the to a certain extent, of course. That's the world that you and I know. What happens when we hit, what year? Year 6,000 in the eyes of the Hachamim. What happens when we hit year 6,000? We hit year 6,000 in a split second in the eyes of the Hachamim, whether it's being taken literally or not. That's when it ends. What ends? That's when Bechirah Hovshit is taken away, and that's when Yehud just pervades. It just exists. It's just there. Experience is over, and we will end at Yehud, whether you got to it or not. It means that Adam Arishon could have ended the experiment from the the very onset. Now, listen to, and I want to just take you for a few moments. It was destined for him not to do that because it was defined as organus. Right, so otherwise it would just be or. Right, if it was organus, why did he. Why was he able to proceed? How did he still err? Right. It means even within a world of Or Haganus, you can still mess it up. And honestly, still he had a clarity of, of, of thought to the extent that he really was close to, let's call it, Yehud Hashem. And he still had Indeed. Now, Da'atevunot will, in the passage I want to read with you, and in Da'atevunot itself, I want to read to you from his book, Kinat Hashem Sevakot, as well as over here. He will allude to the fact that in what he calls Olam Haba, what he calls the afterlight of life, there's no longer misfot. He will describe Yemot HaMashiach as having a diminished Bechira. Yemot HaMashiach will have a diminished Bechira because it's a time in which there's now Yehud. It emanates throughout. Why is, there, why is there still any Bechira? There's still physicality. If there's still physicality, it's hard to overcome it. It's, so to speak, process. the world of process, which is a diminished process. It's an Adam HaRishon status. Now just read together with me for a few moments. Go ahead. Because maybe these are our times where things are so polarized. That the Or and the Hoshech are so polarized, we're getting back to that. Isn't that interesting? No, but if they're polarized, it's the opposite of what I got. No, 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 because we see more. You're seeing more them clarity. clearly together. Well, yeah, more distinct things be right, right. Because everything is blurred now, sure. and it's blurred and polarized. The same thing. There's no value. Sure. And then you just everyone. Sure. As a result, you're able to perceive better. I mean, yes. If if our times I mean, I are. I don't think we're perceiving. No, no, that's okay. But if our right. times are truly that, then, but then I think indeed it's you're right. Going to that. Yeah. So here, if if you take for a few moments, and I and I think you'll understand in light of this discussion, and that Tivunot again continues to develop it. But in light of all this, you'll understand. There's well, let's read it together. Kinat Hashem Sevakot is the history behind it is interesting and fascinating as to why he wrote it. But regardless, it's another work of Ramchal. He says Sarichat Haladat here in source number five. Kine Anu Amri Mashiach. 
Sharet Adam Bechokma. So of course, Hashayasah, we talk about Hashayasah Adam Bechokma. Anytime you have the word Chokma, the eyes of the of the Kabbalist, that triggers. Chokma is a realm, is something we want to focus on. So Ta'inyan, you want to know what it means that human beings were crafted and created with Chokmah. Bereshit, the word Bereshit, and of course we have not an obsession, but a healthy obsession with the word Bereshit, with the beginning of creation, Bet Reshit. In several places in Zohar, in the words of the Kabbalists, they envision this word Bereshit as two Reshit, Bet Reshit. Of course the word is difficult. Bet, well, it sounds like that, which is very scary if that's indeed what it is, but it's rather two heads or two beginnings which is strange as well. Now again, Beit Reshit, why are they even getting onto that dirasha? I think the reason they're getting onto such a dirasha is because of what Rashi is bothered by at the beginning. What's Sforno we mentioned in the previous week? The word Bereshit is a difficult word in context. Bereshit means in the beginning of. In the beginning of what, of course? So I have a whole plethora of answers. Here's one of them. It's not in the beginning of. The description of the first word is there were two beginnings. We're in two beginnings. There were two possible beginnings. Uh, put in different words, there are two possible modes to existence. One is the mode that we live in, and the other is the potential mode. And what he's going to develop over here is the mode we live in is the mode of chokhmah. That's the human mode. Anything from chokhmah. Now, chokhmah, generally speaking, the way the Kabbalists will refer to this chokhmah concept is a spark of insight. That's what's known as chokhmah. I have a thought. I, 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 need a pla- I need a place that will house me. I need a place that will give me protection. That's chokhmah. Anything that comes after that, the architecture, the plan, the vision, a home in and it of itself, that's all beyond chokhmah. Chokhmah is the spark at the very onset. Mm-hmm. But even the chokhmah, the raw data, that thought, that spark, that inspiration, is already something human beings can wrap their head around. It's hard to articulate, you can't point to it, but it's potential that you and I can understand. That's one vision, that's Ashiya Sarita Chokhmah. Above and beyond Chokhmah is what we might refer to as Keter. Keter is the divine realm. Keter is the crown is which hovers... from... Keter is pre-creation, if you could use those words. Because creation is with humans in mind, is what he describes over there. Which means Keter is the Rason. Of course, Jack knows this and knows how to say it much better than me. He knows it a lot longer than me. Keter is the Rason. It's what hovers above. So, so to speak, envision it as letters, which we write with crowns on top in the Sefer Torah, specifically Shatnez Gaz, but Gaz, when, when you have those crowns on top, you envision something above and beyond. Now it's connected to what hovers below, but it's kind of just rests above. That's the divine realm, the way the Kabbalists will envision that realm of Keter. That's the will of God, hard to define the will of God. Theory, right? Theory though, is Chokhmah. Keter is the will. It's even before that. The what axiom. brought you so to it, that. if you will? Yes. Without getting no, go ahead. into I'm... trouble. Uh, in terms of like Plato and his philosophy, where does that tie in temporally into this sort of line of thought? Which which segment of of Platonic thought? In terms of like the as if the I'm an expert on this, yeah, the, the existence of ideal form and you know that 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 sort of divergence between ideal form and doesn't he say they both exist from the in tandem in tandem. Yeah, Doesn't I don't know. Does does that need to? Uh, is that in any way going to affect this? Uh, no, it seems very consistent with it. I'm just trying. To, um, the question I'm asking is in terms of just historical development of the f- philosophical thought. How much of it was inspired by Platonic thought is what yeah, you're asking? Yeah, how far is the gap? I don't even know. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have a full the, answer. What, what are you taking as the point Who's, of yeah. measurement for the concept that the rabbi just said? I mean, that's what noticed a couple hundred years ago. But it no, he's, ask, he's asking. He's asking. He's speaking about line of thought. The Zohar thought of it. It's a great question. There is there is writing on this. I don't know the full answer. I do know, and this is not. You, you said you feel like a concept of a god. No, but but Plato certainly had a concept of God. Certainly, certainly not our God. What I can tell you is there was a, at the very least, a basic knowledge of Platonic thought amongst the Hachamim. It's what I say all the time. The Gemara Masechet Nida of of the baby in the womb of the mother. 
um, getting taught the whole Torah and then coming out and losing it and then always retrieving it. That's a very platonic thought, which precedes the Gemara. So it's not strange that we'll be sharing such thoughts, uh, whether whether it's directly from Plato or this is just the general thought. I mean, they're they're speaking they're, 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 they're speaking thought over. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, uh, if you say so. But they had more, more rules than that. Regardless, that what I can tell you is, fundamentally what he's describing for us over here is two sources or two modes of existence. Again, one being Chokmah and the other being Keter. That's where they get yeah. So the other being Keter. Now, again, just, just to touch on these, just before, to, to, just to understand the relevance to our conversation. Our conversation works as follows. His description, as he continues, goes as follows. He says, listen, with a human being in existence, that's a one mode of existence. That's a chokmah mode of existence. That's one we can wrap our heads around. That's a world in which I act and I'm rewarded or I'm punished, whatever. And I have my own decision to be made. A keter existence is one I can't wrap my head around. And God can and will manipulate at will. Now, that <coughs> means to say that in the world we live in, we live in this world of Chokmah. We don't live and we can't even grasp a concept of Keter because to understand that I'm literally controlled in my full aspect of existence, that's just not the world I know. So if you take a look on the second side over here in the fourth paragraph, He said you should know the world we live in and a Torah that we know is a world of Here's the key words for me. When the ma'atzil, the one who emanates, meaning God, if he were and when he does will to, so to speak, uh, subject all of existence to his will, to his keter, instead of allowing for chokmah to channel upward, but rather he decides, I will determine, he's no longer seeking our involvement. That's that 6,000 year mark. That's the moment at which, go ahead. Is, is this a possibility or is this two aspects it's of, an of, uh, of existence? Hang on. No. It can't be an inevitability because then there you. is no behira. He just told you. No. What he's telling us throughout is there's a process here. Is up you to 6, can, okay, but you might end it before 6,000. No, yeah. He's clearly That's saying right. at the end of 6,000. at 6,000, we assume, to be over, we assume so at some juncture... Whatever 6,000 yeah. means, God then will, at some juncture, determine it's time to change the plan. Now, changing the plan sounds tragic to you and me because we've no longer achieved it, but with Keter Elyon, he determines and he says, uh, that's that's the mode at this, at this the, juncture. What's the point? Is that, what's the point? The because that's a great question. <laughs> Ultimately speaking, Yehud will be achieved. Right, but the point of it is the achievement of it, not... In a the, world of... Not the forcing correct. of it. In if a the forcing world, of it was at the point, then you may as well have just have done it from the beginning. From the beginning. Million dollar Because question. the time doesn't matter. Mi- million dollar question. So that's question. the point. Right, correct. So that goes back to all... So, so that's why that is my question. Is this, is, this, is this really a development into that? Right. Or is no, this, no, is, is, is right. this just, you know, you want to say mitzidel, mitzidenu, or... So, you know, where, so I, how do they know this? Right, I always have but, this question. How do they know well, this? Well, you, you heard what Joey was saying earlier. What Joey was saying earlier is this is thought. Uh, you could call this thought through tradition. You could call this thought through uh, dealing with truths of the world, uh, tapping into different thoughts and strands of thought. That's what he was asking in terms of Plato. You will find similarities between... Phil- I mean, the, this is no secret. No, the early Kabbalists were well-versed in... in system. How does one know or get to this Doesn't. understanding? There is no so how do they know this? knowledge. Who's that? Uh, no, Ramchal. He's he is his teacher. Ramchal is going from earlier up, and there is no, this is not empirical. By definition, philosophy and Kabbalah will not be empirical. It's derived by a limitation of the option set, though. Like, meaning, what other choices are there? Yeah. And Ramchal's looking and saying, what else? Now, the most, yeah. A lot of these thoughts came through in, in discussions in Gemara, and one of the, the ideas that was put on the table in the Gemara is that we're 
this world is not the first experiment. It's the second experiment. Right. So the first experiment didn't have a Torah as we know it today. Certainly. They have had other but, rules and regulations. But we're going further than that. First of all, this is Midrash. I don't know that we have that in Gemara. But secondly, what, what we're going further to, and this is his statement, and, and, and he's, he's suggesting this is what Zohar means as well, is that in the, quote, next world, there won't be Torah either. Mayon said, Torah is in a world of Chokmah. Torah is in a world of human beings who are achieving. Or it could be a better defined Torah. But, but, it, but it will Which in no way, it will in no way in the coarse reality of Torah as we know it resemble what we have. Right. It might, as, as Itai used those words earlier, have the same letters, whatever that means, but it won't have at all the same meaning. It, it just won't. clothing and in this world. That, that's right. Yeah. Is that, that, I forgot that point, though. They say we could be in the third cycle or the sixth cycle, and those cycles can be a multiplication of billions of cycles, okay. which means it never ends. That's, that's a possibility. Because I was thinking well, more concretely that it's really just this 6,000, but it can be exponential. As I've said, on sev- at several junctures in this class, whatever 6,000 means. I know you're very keen on, on the 6,000. I, I, I know you mourn the fact cycle. that we're not in 5,999. No, I, mean, I know that, yeah. Now, he concludes this paragraph, and it, this, this, this segment, it says, The truth is, we could have achieved, through this world of Chokmah, a Yehud, a proper understanding of Yehud, and effectively ended this, Existence as we know it by achieving There was one reshit and then there's another reshit. There are two modes of existence. One mode is the one we've lived in. The other mode is the one we might arrive at. Now, Joey has a wonderful question. If we arrive at that, then what was the point of this whole experiment? Jack responds, well, we're not actually going to arrive there. Then why even talk about it? The answer to why we even talk about it is because there has to be, this is my, this is my hunch on this, and, and I'll, I'll try to suggest this in, in a moment or two. What's that? No, my suggestion is that the, re- correct, you don't, we'll begin by we don't need to talk about it. But once we're talking about it, the reason we're talking about it is because we're searching for meaning even within a world of chokmah, which means to say, to, I, I'm, I'm making up an example, if I give autonomy to my students within the classroom and I allow for them to go forward with the projects that they're working on, but at a certain juncture, I jump in and I make a decision and I am the one who determines something and then I step out again, it means there are, generally speaking, this chokmah in which I'm allowing for them to do it, but then there are going to be moments of keter as well. Mm-hmm. And I wonder and I believe that the description even in the mindset of the Hachamim when they talk about these two reshit is that even nestled within a world of Chokmah there are still segments and moments and circumstances of Keter of so to speak raising our hands and saying well that that must have been or perhaps was God's involvement beyond the stretch of our understanding and our Bechira Chokshit but I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment he concludes over here he cites, uh, he cites the Pasuk in Yeshua the Torah will come forth from me, and it's in Yeshaya, Perik Nunal, if we were talking about the future, Shamru, he quotes the Midrash, the new Torah will come forth from me. There it is, Itai. Yeah, it'll come forth from me. What's the description? The description again is, there'll be, there it is, there's some sort of new Torah in the future. What's that new Torah? It says, The description is, the Torah won't change. However, it'll have a new mode, it'll have a new vision, a new understanding. Now again, the reason I cite this all in our context is, to state to you again, Adam Harishon could have lived in a world in which he wouldn't have brought us into, or we would not be living in this world of absolute chokhmah. We're going to really very quickly been done with that experiment of chokhmah. So, Go ahead. So is, is what he's saying that Adam Harishon could have lived in that world, or that had he chosen differently in that moment, it would have been a recognition of Yehud and would have effectively brought forth Keter. Right. Yeah. Yes. The decision itself yeah. 
But look at yes, the, the decision, and that's and that's the bereshit. The bereshit is there were two modes, and you opted into the absolute mode of chokhmah. That's right. But look at the consequence. The consequence would have been that Adam would have lived forever. He made that choice two seconds earlier. And therefore, there would never okay. be new generation. He didn't eat. Uh, all understood. Of course, yeah. of course, it would have been. It would have been over. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, just, just, just to portray this a bit differently, or, or along the same lines, just in a different lens. The Gemara, which I like, both of these Gemara, which I like to cite, but just to give a new new perspective to them. First, the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat, in source number six, and Daf Pechet, going into Daf Petet, describes how the Malachim, prior to the reception of the Torah, make a claim to God. Why are you giving the Torah to human beings? Give it to us. And of course, Moshe's response, which God goads him to, to give, is, how could you get the Torah? You don't have any of these challenges. You don't have parents and so forth. But internally, the Midrash is hard to understand. What request do the angels have? Give us the Torah? Why would they get the Torah? In what way is it in any way relevant to them? The suggestion is they would have a Torah of Ketiv. They're an altogether different Torah. Now it's the same thing, Lotit Halev. But it's altogether different. It's an absolutely different reality. It would be the existence of God as portrayed through Torah... But it wouldn't be That's through a world of Behira. You would certainly be stuck with what's the purpose, which is the same question, identical to what's the purpose of this Olam Haba, which Da'atibunot himself in our passage will describe as a time of us becoming no, like no, Malachim. Not, not what's, the purpose of, what's the purpose of Torah and Olam Haba? Meaning, at that point... What's well, the same question? If you're going to be a malach, if you're going to be a malach, as he's going to describe in, in Olam Haba, effectively, so then what, what, what are you doing? May as, well, may as well end it. Yes. Hard to, right. hard to wrap it. So the answer is, Yehud Yeah. But do, do, you need, do you need me, God? And if I don't understand... essentially lose Behira, what's the point of right. having alternate creations? So now, so, now I'm, so, so now I'm kind of... The tool of God, which is furthering his mission as being a melech, which you need a nation in order to be a melech like, to, uh, to appreciate the Yehud. It's like, what's what the point really of money if you own everything in the world? Yeah. It's irrelevant. Yeah. Is and, this and, the animating, I just thought about it, is this the animating thought behind, like, all right, uh, you say, oh, put your grateful plasma, like, the, like all those, the, the unity of, like, oh, certainly. It's all of so, this leaf. So the, 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 the claim that, is made by many... That ultimately uh, it, it, it ends with a oneness because, yeah, I mean, there, there has to be that connected to it. Again, let me parallel this as what's the, what's the best military system is that there's a hierarchy and there is full command and control. The, the, the army fails or military, whatever it is, if they don't follow the, the, the commands, and the control doesn't bring it to bear, then it, the whole thing falls the apart. Question is, that though, is, that the, is the purpose Islam, the question is bringing the Torah to do of the commands. but the you're control. only strengthening the question. You're not answering the question. The yeah. question is, but then I don't need an army. If there's no one to fight against, if there no, is nothing to fight, then to, I don't need no, an army. You need to make sure... To constantly refine the control. But I don't need it. There's nothing no. that they're defending against. If there is no Behira Hofshit, if I've ended the existence of Ra, from the planet. so then I don't need an army any longer. Anyway, just to conclude it with this point, and then we'll read a little bit more in Da'at Tevunot, the Gemara in Masech Merachot describes this Midrash, another well-known Midrash. It's a Midrash about how uh, Moshe Rabbeinu has revealed to him Rabbi Akiva. How does he have revealed to him Rabbi Akiva? Well, he finds God in the heavens either prior to or immediately after getting the Torah, regardless of how you read the Midrash, and God is tying crowns to the letters. Or crowns to the letters should... I'll call our attention to that keter word which we talked about earlier. And then he says, what are you doing that for, God? And he says, we should know there's going to be this person, Akiva ben Yosef, in the future. He says, well, show me him. And of course, he comes and he sees him and so forth. Now, the most important parts for me are twofold. First, God, Moshe turns to God and he says to him, so you have this individual who's so impressive? So why are you giving the Torah by me? God's response, shtok, quiet. Right? Be quiet. That was my thought. Okay, that's first 
enigmatic, hard to understand response. It's a response like, don't think about this. And it continues, so show me, that's his Torah, show me his Sachar. And of course, God reveals to him that Rabbi Akiva has this terrible ending where there's, his skin is being raked off by, uh, by the Roman uh, persecutors. And then Moshe says, Zo Torah, Zo God's response again, enigmatic, mysterious, quiet, this was my thought. Now, there's the identical response to two separate questions. It's as if the Midrash here in Masech and Kaftet is trying to get across, you know, two thoughts of God. I wonder if it goes as follows. The initial question of Moshe, if we're looking through a Kabbalistic lens at this, Jack, you'll appreciate this, I think. The initial question of Moshe is, well, if this Rabbi Akiva understands Keter, if he's tapped into the mode of Keter, why are you giving the Torah by means of me? Why not give it to the angels or the Rabbi Akivas? Give it to the Keter domain. The answer, there were two machshavot, there were two reshit. I want to give it by means of chokmah. Then he sees, but they're raking off the skin of Rabbi Akiva. That doesn't make any sense. He's a sadiq, he's a righteous being. He has Bechira Chofshit. In a world of Chokmah, you do a mitzvah and you get rewarded for it. There's not, so to speak, this God hovering above who does at his will what he wants. It's God, how do you explain that? The answer again is, What's the response then? In other words, the response this Midrash is toying with <coughs> two modes of God's interaction with this world. On the one hand, <coughs> there's the general mode of interaction with God in this world. And that is the mode of Torah as we know it, Chokmah as we know it, our lives on a consistent basis. We imagine in one way or another that our actions in some way affect a relationship with God, which in some way is reciprocated in his reaction to us. That's as we know it, why we have the Torah and why we observe the Torah. We call that the world of Chokmah. That's the world which Adam HaRishon injected us into through his decision by eating from Etz Hadad. However, <clears throat> there were two Reshits. There was another mode of existence. And from time to time, there are those hard to understand moments, which, as we've discussed in previous weeks, we can either attribute to Mikre, we could just say that was, uh, that was just something that God allowed to happen. Or alternatively, it cannot and should not be out of bounds to suggest this was God's involvement. This was God's involvement. How do you explain why those righteous ones perish? How do you explain Sadiq Verado? How do you explain such a Rashavet Tov? Though the answer is Keter, Rason Hashem. How do you interpret Rason Hashem? That's the Rabbi Akiva domain. Rabbi Akiva in this Midrash then is stepping in as the Keter existence, the one who understands the council letters, the one who lives in a domain of Keter, and in turn, how are you killing him? He was observant. He followed everything. He further Torah. The answer is, I had two reshits. I had a reshit of Chokman, I had a reshit of Keter. And I mention it to you in our context again because we, and I think we, certainly me, make the mistake of envisioning the world in the way that we know the world. We know the world as a world in which we act one way and everything that we don't understand we assume is just Mikre. We assume is outside of the bounds of God's direct interaction. You could envision the world in that way. The question is how often you're correct. We don't know the answer to that question. What the Mukubalim are seeking to suggest, what Ramchal is seeking to suggest, is there's another domain. It's the domain known as Keter. And the domain of Keter is you don't know. You certainly don't, but you can accept the unknowing. Now, you can accept this as a domain of God in which, envision it as the 6,000-year mark, which is kind of nestled within our existence, that Keter moment, the moment where Rabbi Akiva is dying, even though he shouldn't be dying according to our laws of the game. It's the moment where I get into this group which is working on a project, and I enjoy it. Rabbi, you said you were going to stay is, out of it. But, his, but his, is his death in, in that Keter... Framework. Mold. What a framework. Good. Right. Is his death in that Keter framework... Meaningful or meaningless? Meaning, it has to be meaningful. Why? The suggestion, because it's godly. The suggestion is, it's no, meaningful but, but to death. It's is meaningful, not meaningful, maybe. But it maybe the human experience of death is not meaningful in the Keter world. So, so you so suggesting the, the fact that, of his torture and death is just not a Keter concept. How do you know what is in the Keter? What I'm saying we don't. He, saying he's suggesting be. with my meaning, reading of the Gemara, with this reading of the Gemara, you can, you, the, the, the Keter framework can allow for Mikre because Mikre 
is not doesn't register in the Keter world. So who cares about no, it? The if you're on the plane of Rabbi Akiva and you're living in that Keter world, it's, it's not Mikhail. It's not Mikhail. That's the point. It presents itself it's as It's irrelevant whether or not. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. perception. Does it matter, jo- does it matter to saying, you Joey's that there's a molecule of skin of on your body that has died just now? It doesn't matter to you. Why doesn't it matter? That's the paradox. Because it has no impact in the plane of existence yes, in which you live. It's an unanswered paradox. There's two modes of living. We live in Chokhmah. We don't understand those interjections yeah, right. of God. I, I we don't understand. That's it. I, under, I, under, I understand that. But yeah, meaning yeah, in the Keter world, is it just, it just doesn't register as an event. I hear your question. You understand what I'm saying? I, I certainly understand. Anyway, Joe right, just it's not separate. Yes, correct. Not because it's not separate, but no. because it doesn't have value in the Keter world. Because it doesn't have value to human beings. That's what he's saying. Okay. He's saying once you've taken it out of a human domain, as I understand the, right. what, what he's saying, right. so then to attribute any meaning to it is uh, for, for what? This is, this is out of your domain. Right. You just it's out of your world. Right, we're not so, attributing meaning to it. But you just answered well, I am. Yeah. I'm suggesting, and I think the Mikubalim will tell you, it, it has a divine meaning right. in a that, different that, domain. It couldn't happen to Rabbi Akiva any other way in this world because that was the Keter requirement for him. And what I'm saying is, whether or not Rabbi Akiva is tortured or not tortured in this world, in a Keter universe, may not just be relevant right. at all right. to us because it's his human right. suffering that no, doesn't him. even register in that to him, not to, him. to him to him yeah all right it's a fascinating right, right, right. it's a fascinating right. question way, uh, similarly it, it, now Yishaya, the way he passed away his grandson tortured him yeah so to, but you're, you're well, suggesting it's a kid as well all right I, I don't know that the hachamim do it in the same way but they're certainly doing it here with Rabbi Akiva. So let's just uh, very briefly just read uh, two more paragraphs here in Da'atib. We're not just to flesh out his final thoughts on this. So look at the bottom of page 70. He said, God had to then show Adam HaRishon, in other words, existence as we know it, what he couldn't achieve with his own mind. In other words, exile, Hoshech, is a necessary reality for those who can't achieve it uh, without it. Right? If you can't, again, the ironic reality of your child can't understand truth, so you blacken things on them, and then you blacken it more, and then you turn the light off in the room and lock the door in the room until it finds... But why? You're taking me away from what you wanted me to realize. I'm hoping that by being there, something will click, because you'll realize it's not this. It's... Ultimately speaking, it will all, and that's his vision, his vision is that we go from this hoshech, 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 to then realizing that all along it was really this tov, because it was ultimately speaking, all created by God. It was just as a point of contrast, once that light is either pushed upon us, or we realize on our own, that's the reality of existence as we know it, with exile and difficulty. It's a, it's a mission which human beings are forced upon or decided upon to find true Yehud only through arduous activity with mind and soul. What he's referring to is empirically. We actually experience it as opposed to just intellectually. You know, that's the difference between Adam HaRishon, quote-unquote, and our life. Adam HaRishon could have gotten it intellectually. He could have known there's something called Ra. Did you experience Ra? No, I've had a very cushy and uh, luxurious existence. But I know there is Ra. There's Esadat I can conceptualize. That's one mode of, 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 of approaching matters. Adam couldn't get there. So as a result, experience it. Feel it. And so to its to his descendants, Yani to us. If we wanted, if they wanted, 
to achieve Yehud We could really end this game of life by just realizing and thinking with our minds, without another exile, without more torture, without more Hoshech and Shekin and Ra, and just get there. Well, really, the end game is just getting Yehud. Since his descendants, since we have not gotten Instead, we've gone off uh, off on all these wrongful approaches. Ironically, he needs to reveal through concealing more and more and more. And he does so by this sort of exile with one concealment after another. It's speaking euphemistically. It's speaking, uh, maybe that's not the right word. Instead of birchato, it means killato. We don't have a day which is not worse than the last one. In other words, it's a description of the utter and terrible exile that we live in. Ultimately speaking, when it's all done and all said and done, God will mysteriously and miraculously appear. That's the abolishment of Behira. That's the realm of Keter. He describes our existence, the existence for hundreds of thousands of years of existence itself has been diminished. Not only human beings, but the division of the rabbis is, uh, contrary to the uh, Floridian mangoes, uh, the fruits themselves have diminished taste. They're not as tasty as they could be, as, as sweet as they could be. Uh, similarly, the Gemara and Sotan Daf Memtet, how do they translate that? They say that wisdom will be scorned, those who fear sin will be despised. In other words, our thoughts are skewed as well in this existence. You got to go that low in order for the light to finally be seen. Yeah, go ahead. That's this kata. That's that basically finally, saying the finally. human experiment will fail and then God is just going to parachute in. I think that's what Jack was asking or suggesting earlier. Is that a prediction? Is that a promise? Or is that a potential? So or is he observing the trend line and saying it? I think that's just the way it is. Yes. Right? I'm a bit. Either be'ita or achishena, but Joey's saying his wording, and he will suggest this in several places. It's like, no, no, we But if that's the case, that's the case. 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 That's the by definition, then, anything so other point, is so then, so then what are we doing? What's the point? Right. <laughs> so then what are we doing? <laughs> is it a fact or a prediction? Right. That's a, it sounds like a prediction. It certainly does. And Jack says it's inevitable. But if it's inevitable... Prediction is a lot better. That's very sobering and very Is depressing. the trend line really is inevitable that it's going to head in the wrong yeah. direction? Like so it's so then what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, why do you have the same question if it's all heading positively? And it's going to end positively. Like, then what are we doing? <laughs> well, no, but, that, but that, that, that's the, yeah. that's no, it's the achievement goal. You're looking at it like you're saying that you're going to fail. But you're my point's not what is the point for us. It's never for the to happen. Right. I understand that, but my question is not what is the point for us. My question is what is the point for God. Right. He says, ultimately speaking, Yehud will arrive in the realm of Ketan. The probability is that that's going to happen. Your words. His words suggest the inevitability. But okay, I... Listen, it's certainly the way we live. We say the probability is keter, but the possibility is chokmah. He says, ultimately speaking, when the kevod Hashem is nigla, and he's describing in this keter, in this ahishena, as opposed to be, uh, in this... 
Be'itaz. Is it God injecting? We call that keter. Or is it we brought it through our deeds, through chokmah? Just lots of words. What are the other words? Is there a specific time? When you hit that time, or I feel that you really made your way here. That's the question. Um, will in turn have the book, the Dvekus, that we're all yearning for. That's description of Yehud Hashem being pervasive throughout all existence. Description of a time and being in which it's fully perceived, it's fully understood. In turn, it's going to lead to worldwide success. War, destruction, uh, deficiency will all cease to exist again. Fundamentally, what Ta'atib Unot has set forth for us over here is he just brought us a step further in terms of his vision of maybe not the ultimate, but the continued existence of human beings. Listen, he says, deficiency was and is a necessity. Ra, Sheker, Hoshech needs to be there in order to come to a proper understanding of Yehud Hashem. You can only come to Emet or, and what was my last example? And Tob, if you have the contrast. Otherwise, you're only speaking about something which is artificial and not truly understood. Now, the choice is there for us, as it was, he said, in that long uh, discussion, for Adam HaRishon. Adam HaRishon could have gotten to it without banishment from the gun. We can get to it without another exile. Adam HaRishon, either inevitably or ultimately speaking, fell prey to the fact that he needed banishment in order to actually understand it. He couldn't get it without banishment, and so too we, over the course of so much time. So su- Suggesting, potentially. There's certainly such a mode of thought. Uh, the, the question is, how does this all end? And he's touching on that very much in this conversation as well. We touched on that from Kinat Hashem Sevaot, but he's really touching on it throughout over here. It ends in one of two ways. Either we actually do awaken to reality, either we actually get there, or alternatively, it's pushed upon us. If we actually get there, at the moment, ironically, that we get there, the Bechira is gone. In other words, you hit Keter on your own. Alternatively, it's kind of just placed upon you. Ask Joey, of course, the overriding question, which we cannot and will not answer. So then what's the point of it all? And then what? Same type of question. Mm-hmm. Of course, we can't. We're not able to really go that far. But within this domain, without a, with, with a proper understanding of each and every one of these segments, we can at the very least have a deeper understanding of life in a daily and yearly and and, and larger uh, spectrum uh, existence to the extent that I'm suggesting in the eyes of the rabbis that's how and I think that's what that Gemara Masech Menachot is doing is they're touching upon and you might say it's to sugarcoat it for themselves I wonder if there's a philosophical truth that they're trying to peg to evil which befalls those who are righteous and they state in those moments instead of saying god willed it because they say god willed it did you understand the difference and we don't know why calling it keter as opposed to and that's what they're doing with in other words envisioning that end mode as something which sometimes strikes us even within the process mode as well